Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Hey, this morning we're in part four of our series entitled, This Is Us. First week we talked about Jack, Easter Sunday, had a great day. Most salvations recorded in one day in City Church's history. 87 people said yes to Jesus. Come on, can you give God a great big hand? Jack was a good guy, trying to be a good dad. But there's nobody good, no, not one. We've all sinned, fallen short, that's why Jesus came. And we talked about that on Resurrection Sunday. The second week, we talked about Randall. Randall was the character. He's the African-American gentleman in there that, uh, in the story, he was adopted at birth. And his whole life, he's searching for his identity by meeting his birth father. And don't you know that everyone in this room, uh, our journey in life is about knowing and discovering our true father. And when we find grace, when we find faith, when we find salvation through Christ, that is the doorway that opens us up to a relationship with the Father. And so we talked about Randall and his identity. And then last week we talked about Kate. How many of you were here last week? Last week you heard about Kate? All right. If you weren't here, go check out the video. It's a great, great session, on, uh, not just for women. I actually had one of the guys in my small group on Wednesday night come to me and say, hey, that was for me. I know that we had women on the panel, but there was a guy in our church that struggles with identity issues with his body and weight, and, and we talked about that, not finding our identity in, in the refrigerator or the food or not feeling less than because of, of a certain of shape or size of the way that we look, but know that we are created by God to be who he has called us to be, and so we the, be the very very best, we be the very best me that I can be for God. Everyone said amen. All right, so this one we're going to talk about this lady named Rebecca. Now, Rebecca's an interesting character. You put Rebecca's picture up there for me? Just put Rebecca. Rebecca's an interesting lady. We're going to talk about this lady here in just a moment, but uh, uh, Rebecca's an interesting character. She's the mom, and she's a really, really good mom. And, uh, but before we do, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 127. Psalms 127, and this is a powerful passage on unity, on God's blessing for the family. How many of you know God wants to bless your family? Amen. If you don't know that today, you are missing out on the richness and the fullness of a good father. God wants to bless your family. He wants to bless you, but he wants to bless your family. It's the heart of God. And Psalms 127 talks about the house of God, the people of God, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in Together in unity. There's something powerful when families come into unity, when a husband and wife are in unity about the relationship with God and their responsibility to their kids. And then the psalmist says this, verse number three, Psalms 127, verse number three, children are a heritage. Everyone say heritage. The word heritage literally means blessing from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Children are given to us by God. Children are given to us by God. Now this morning we're going to talk to you on the topic, raising our kids to be world changers for Jesus. Raising our kids to be world changers for Jesus. Maybe you're a grandparent in the room, and uh, all of a sudden, and we have this happen frequently, where the kids, grandkids end up in your, in your world, raising your grandkids to be world changers for Jesus. If you have grandkids who are at a distance, you can still influence them to become world changers for Jesus. I want us to pray this morning. Father, in this room, 
Grace is so amazing, so thankful, uh, so, so thankful. Lord, every person here has a story, and every person here, you are changing their story. And I thank you, God, and in this very moment in time, God, that you are here by the power of your word to bring transformation. As it comes into our ears and processes through our mind, let it resonate into our spirit. Our spirit bears witness with you, your spirit that we are children of God. And God, that you have called us to be as parents and leaders and grandparents. God, you've called us to raise champions for you. God, I bless today. I bless every person here in your wonderful name. Amen. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Lady Rebecca that I mentioned in the story, this is a fascinating, fascinating character because uh, the writers have the opportunity to shape a person any way that they want to shape them. And this lady's like the perfect mom. Like Rebecca, this lady Rebecca, you can put her picture back up for me. Rebecca is the perfect mom. Now, I'm going to make sure I get that. So you, just so you know, this is Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore grew up right here in Longwood, right down the street on Markham Woods Road. She grew up here. She went to Bishop Moore High School. She's a famous singer, movie star. Now, she does a great job with this character. But in this, in this story, I mean, the writers have made her to be this incredible lady. Like, she's super mom. She wears the great big S on her T-shirt. She's given up her career. She's, she's laid everything down for her kids. And her identity is found in being the perfect mom raising the perfect kids. I want you to watch a, a storyline with, uh, with Rebecca and her daughter, Kate, as Kate is getting ready to get married. Check out this video. Oh, Kate. Hi. You look stunning. That dress is just It's going to be perfect in the setting. Not that it wouldn't be perfect anywhere, because it's a beautiful dress, but oh. it's... I know. Are you okay? Yeah. I just, uh... I feel really bad for upsetting you on the phone earlier. Oh, no, you didn't. I was going through my own thing. Okay. I just, I want... I want today to be perfect for you in every way that you've ever dreamed about, and I know that sometimes I can make you... You know, so I'm just, I want to stay out of your way, okay? Mom, I know that our stuff, it can be complicated sometimes. But it's because all that I've ever wanted was to be like you. I want to be a singer like you. I want to be a mom like you. I want to have a marriage like yours. Mom, you are not. You are not in my way. You are my way. Sweetheart. No, no crying. No crying. We have to get to the wedding first before Uh, you cry. I know, but... Wow. Hey, uh... Rebecca's a pretty good mom, and the story writers could write that she's this incredible mom. But God wrote a story for an even better mom than Rebecca. I mean, the most incredible mom on the planet. She happens to be my wife, the most beautiful woman in the world, the mother of my two sons, Austin and Kenan, Laura Jean Smith. Come on, can you give it up for Laura today? Mama. She's the mom of the house. And she is a phenomenal mom. God wrote a better story when he wrote Laura's story. And uh, I'm so thankful that God has brought us together. It was uh, over 30 years ago that we met. 
We were in bridal college, I mean Bible college, and uh, we met at Bible college, and God brought us together. So, you know, we look back on those times and the things that drew us together, the interests, the, the passions, the love, the journey, the, the desire for God's story to be written to our life was really what drew us together. And, and we had a lot of conversations uh, before we had kids. We actually waited about four years it was about four years before we had our first child. Actually, give a picture of my family there. You can put it up. This is our current family. This is this last Christmas. We were in just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. My son over on this side here and his beautiful wife, Paula Smith, the latest addition to our family. They live in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, we had New Year's Eve dinner at a uh, bonefish up there. And it was a great time. This is our youngest son, Keenan. He's in the far back there. He was playing the keyboard today. He's the music director here at City Church. And this is my beautiful bride, Laura. And obviously, there I am. This is our family today. This is us. <laughs> this is our family. And we have, we have families. We came from a family today. And I want to talk to you. I'll let my wife talk because this didn't happen. We have incredible kids, and we're thankful. We are so grateful for the grace I was talking you know, to our staff this week, and we're, we do a service planning meeting every week for the services, and a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this service. I'm like, I, you know, the older I get, the fuzzier it gets. Like, you know, when I was really young, and we were on the parenting thing, and they were little kids, and I could control and navigate and steer and tell them where it was really clear. Here, this, 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 you know, and I read the books, I read the Bible, I did it this way, and... You know, but the older you get, you recognize, man, your kids have, uh, the one, once your kid can actually look you in the eye, you're done. <laughs> once they can actually, like, stand pretty close and look in, and then actually say your first name, you know, you better say, God, I need your grace. I need your help in this. And, uh, and we've all got a story, my wife's story, some of you have heard, some of you haven't heard. It's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. I want to talk to her a little bit about as we're talking about raising campions for God. Tell us, Laura, a little bit about your story, about your mom and your family. Tell us a little bit about how that influenced you as a mom today. I'd love to. My mom was um, very loving and caring and nurturing. She was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she, I would say about my mom, she did the very best that she could with the tools that she had under the circumstances. Um, we lived in a housing project. We were very poor. Um, she was in the midst of a really horrible second marriage um, when I was a little girl, and um, she did some things really, really right. She made sure that we were in church. Uh, she, get us, she got us set on memorizing the Bible and uh, knowing the Lord. She had a love for the Lord. Um, she, when she couldn't take us to church because um, there was a time that she was single and she couldn't drive, she would send us on the church bus. And, um, but we were always in church. My mom um, was a mixed bag in terms of, um, of her beliefs. She, she believed in reincarnation and spiritualism. Um, she disciplined us according to the horoscope. But I still believe that she knew Jesus. She prayed to him. So it was um, very spiritually confusing for us as children. But we still knew the Lord. We were baptized in the Holy Spirit when we were young. My mom did um, really the very, very best that she could. We were, she dressed us alike. She did our hair every day. She we, set us up to sing a trio um, at different churches and conventions and radio stations. So we were really cute little girls. We were two years apart. Used to sing on the radio, right? Used to sing <laughs> yeah. on the radio. And we harmonized. Um, I was the, it was Linda Laura Laney. My mom was Luann. And uh, our last name was Loy, so that was fun. That's when, back then when they did that. There you go. <laughs> but um, my, my mother, when I was 11, um, she 
her, the breast cancer she had had started to metastasize to other parts of her body. At the same time, my older sister was 13. My mom couldn't handle her, and she sent her up to live with my grandmother. And uh, they didn't realize that that's, my mom didn't realize why she was so sick. She didn't realize it was actually the cancer coming back. And so I ended up being um, the caregiver of the family, the cook, the person that did the laundry. I really ended up being the adult person in that family. She, she never really got out of bed again until she passed away two years later. And um, when she did, we, li we were living up in Portland, Oregon. We'd moved from Arizona to Portland, Oregon to live with my grandmother. And um, in her will, at the very end, my mom, we'd been, uh, my sisters and I had been taking a city bus to a church called Bible Temple. And uh, we loved the church. We fell in love with it. We could see the truth there. And it just was so appealing to us. God started straightening our lives up um, from some of the abuse that we had endured through our, our real father and our stepfather. He really started reparenting us in that church. And my mom, in, in her sickness, uh, she could still recognize that church meant a lot to us. So she actually willed us to that church. Wow. And so, so your three sisters, I mean, your my two three sisters. sisters, Linda, Laura, and I, yeah. Laura, and so the church um, put us in uh, two different homes after she passed away. And, and how old were you? I was um, 13, 13 at the time, so we were 11, 13, and, and 15. And um, I would say that the Pataan passed to Bible Temple, my church, to finish raising raising us. And in the deficiencies um, that my mom had because of economics, because of um, spiritual confusion. The Lord really did a, a work in us of restoration and mm. retraining and reparenting through that church. And that's why I love the local church today. Because it doesn't just happen in, in a dramatic way as it did with me. But it happens to all of us that the local church is our family and it helps to fill in the gaps in our life. That's excellent. So what's the greatest contribution you know, as a parent, so we've got a 27-year-old, 22-year-old, they're making decisions, choices at this point in their life. They seem to be making very good decisions. Tell us, uh, what do you think the biggest contribution as parents that we have in our kids' lives? I think you have to parent with the end in mind, um, knowing that you want to set your kids up to make a big difference in this world. And um, that comes in all kinds of different ways, but, but I would say that... Um, you know, one thing we've said to our boys is, is that they're leaders, and leaders live to serve. And um, set them up to be the kind of leaders that can walk into a situation and be the solution to the problem and not the problem. If you can keep that big picture in mind, you want your kids to be the solution to the problem and not the problem. And that, that happens in four ways. That happens in giving them a foundation of the Word of God mm. so that early on their mind becomes renewed and they begin to obey the Lord for themselves at an early age. It happens socially. You teach them good social skills. It happens physically, whatever it is that your kids need, so that they can be set up to be significant in society the way that it is today. And for some people, that might, might mean braces. And you might say, I can't afford braces. I just believe that whatever God calls your kids to do, he's going to help you. He's going to help you get the That's finances mm -hmm. and bring people along beside of you to help with some of those things that you might not think that you have. That's good. And um, you also want to instill in your kids positive identity and self-worth and just set them up in any way physically, um, mentally, spiritually that you can so that your ceiling becomes their floor and they go higher than you, than you went. And I, I just, I, there's a, a lady in the Bible named Jochebed. That's Moses' mom. 
And um, she, she could see when her baby was only three months old that he was, the Bible says, she could see that he was an unusual child. He was unusually special. And she didn't want him to get killed in, in, uh, as all the Israel children were getting killed at that time. So the Lord spoke to her and said, put him in a, a basket and float him down the Nile because I have something special for his life. I believe she did that by faith. The book of Hebrews says that she did that by faith. And she could see that she couldn't so keep that child alive and his destiny would not be fulfilled through her. Well, as Providence had it, as you know, Pharaoh's daughter saw him, fell in love with this adorable baby. And um, Jochebed ended up getting to be the one to nurture Moses as he grew up. At the same time, Moses had all of the wisdom, Hebrews says, all the wisdom, or the book of Acts, of um, Egypt was poured into him as he was growing up because God was preparing him for something special. And uh, ladies, if you feel like you don't have what you need to raise the kids that, you, that God has given you for what you feel they have in their future, God's going to make up the difference, just as he did with Jochebed in landing him in the palace of Egypt to prepare him for the future. God knows exactly where your child is going to go, and he wants to help you prepare your child. That's very good. You know, our kids uh, are gifts from the Lord, right? Children are a blessing. They're a heritage. They're gifts to us from God. Recognize, as I, we were processing and talking about this, that actually they're not our kids. Yes. They're his kids. Your kids, you're, you're a steward. God's given you a season. Mm -hmm. But the fact is your kids belong to the Lord. Right. And so uh, even if you have adult kids, maybe your children are growing and they're out and you're frustrated with the decisions that they're making. Ultimately, they're God's kids. Yes. They are the Lord's kids. Right. And you have to relinquish them into God's hands. And that's the great trade-off. You know, the psalmist says that uh, they're like an arrow in your quiver. And you, what do you do with an arrow? You shoot it out. You shoot that arrow out away from your life, and they're out living their journey. And so as a parent, recognize that God is working on your behalf. He's working the night season when you're worried and frustrated and in turmoil about the decisions your kids make or aren't making. God's taking care of them. Yes. Now, your part is to pray for them. I'm on the couch this morning praying for my boys. I pray for my boys. Before they were born, I pray for them. I'm still praying for them. I'm praying favor, I'm praying grace, I'm praying confidence, I'm praying the blessing of God over their life, but, but that's our part, right. that is our part. So our kids have a gift, they're bent, they're, they have a spiritual bent, right? The Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that they should go, right. there's that spiritual bent in them. Talk to us, how do we help that? How do we, how do we recognize that? How do we shape that? How do we help, help that yeah. gift grow in their life? I, I just want to say, along with what Eugene was just saying, um, the easy way that I think about it, it's God's part our part, other people's part, and our child's part. You can do the very best job with your kids, but they have their choice too, just like Adam and Eve. God was a great parent to them, but they made a lousy choice. And sometimes, if, there, if some of you are out there and your kids are already raised and maybe they have made some poor choices in their life, it's not all you. They have a, they have a free will. I just, if, if that's a burden on anybody's shoulders now, just lift that off your shoulders. Your children have their own choices to make, but it is God's part, our part, other people's part. God brings special people into your life to help you see something in your kids that, that you don't always see. But I think it, as uh, you're talking about developing the gifts within our children, God gives us as parents excavation skills to help build, to find the treasure that's in our child and develop it. And uh, the Amplified 
Bible says of Proverbs 22.6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Mm. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So our child has an individual gift already inside of him. He's not a, a bucket to be filled or a piece of clay um, to be molded. He already has what God has placed inside of him that our charge as parents is to develop. And um, I would say with, with our boys um, early on, um, when Keenan was a, um, just a little baby, 18 months old, two years old, we could see that he was musical. And, um, and I, I felt that he was going to be used in worship. Um, parents, moms, especially sometimes God whispers to you things about your children early, early on. And um, God was good. He came alongside of us at two years old. A, worship, a famous worship leader, songwriter came up to us when he was doing said, um, your child's going to be used in serving the Lord in the area of worship, but you need to make sure that he's... And he playing takes, the piano. He actually playing said the piano, playing piano. But you need to make sure that, that he takes... Um, you give him piano lessons. And I said, okay, we can do that. That's easy. And, um, but it was and it such, confirmed kind of what it, we had already... It was confirmation. It was confirmation of what confirmation. God had already leading us. And we had started Austin. We started our kids with music lessons like at three. They could barely hold the little violin up. I remember right. them playing the violin at three years of age. But we, we wanted stuck. to expose them to a violin, piano, to see where their gift laid. And um, then um, Keenan, he had a gift for writing. And God brought really special people into his life, an amazing fourth grade teacher that helped him with that. He became the editor of a school newspaper. And then um, Austin was also musical. Austin, it was a little easier for me to see because his, his gifts are less traditional maybe. And uh, he had early on, he was making gourmet macaroni and cheese when he was like eight and nine years old. <laughs> He's always had a gift for cooking. And it was just a, a little different gift than, than, um, than I had been looking for in a child. But it, it's definitely there and he's, he's a really good cook now. And then uh, he came up to us when he was about 12 years old, and he said, I'd like to learn the drums. And I didn't see that coming. I didn't see him as a drummer. I, didn't, it, I wasn't paying enough attention to see he really had good rhythm. Mm. But um, one, So we gave him drum lessons, and that carried him all the way through his high school years. He was on drum line. He's played in the church from the time he was 13, 14. But it was kind of his little niche. And that was very special that he had his area that he could serve in the body of Christ, he still does that in Connecticut. He's making a difference with that. But um, as, as much as lies in you as parents, provide your children with the resources to develop their gifts. And that might, that might mean a little bit of money here and there. But God, again, I just want to tell you, it's not all in you. God's going to bring people alongside of you. He's going to provide the resources. He cares about the development of your children even more than you do. Awesome. Great job. Hey, I want to wrap this up. Um, and if you're new to City Church, Miss Laura had uh, cancer of her throat about uh, four years ago. Was diagnosed with a large malignant tumor, and they nicked her vocal nerve when they were replacing it, and that's why her voice sounds like that. And so, for her to get up here and do this today, if you only knew how difficult that was for her to do that. And so, she's using her gift even when it's difficult, and you know that's what all of us should do. Even when things aren't easy, we still use our gift to serve the body of Christ. The Bible says, the Bible says in Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two, Jesus grew. It's one of the most fascinating texts about children. Jesus was at the age of 12 when this took place. He had been in the temple, and he had been teaching. 
He'd been teaching the religious people, the people that should know, that should be teaching him. The Bible says that he was actually teaching them. The verse previous says that Mary, Mary knew that there was something special about Jesus. It says she actually saw the specialness of Jesus and she stored it in her heart. She was just, she was, she recognized there was something special. Parent today, your parent in this room, your grandparent today, there's something special about your kid. God has an assignment for you as a parent to disciple, to equip, to come alongside, to encourage, to coach your child, to become the person that God has destined them to be. God's written a story for your child. God's written a story not just for you. God's written a story for your child, but also for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And for generations beyond you, God has already written the story. You in this time, in this place of history and space and the human experience, have a moment. Have a moment to be the influence in your child's life. Jesus grew. Everyone say wisdom. wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. What is wisdom today? Jesus grew in wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to act on a certain set of information, to judge correctly, to follow the best course of action based on the knowledge or the understanding that you have. Uh, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is acquired. Knowledge is prepared. Hear me today. You can acquire knowledge. Uh, you can seek after knowledge. You can Google for knowledge. But wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. What knowledge does is knowledge allows you to knock on the door. When you equip yourself, when you get education, when you get the degree, when you get yourself equipped to work in an, op uh, an occupation, what happens is you can start knocking on the door then. You're, you have acquired knowledge, the right knowledge. But it's, it's God's wisdom that enables that door to be open for you. It's, it's the wisdom of God that enables you to act wisely, to, to make the right steps and the right course of action. You see, the Bible is very clear about wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get wisdom. Where does this wisdom start for the believer? The book of Proverbs says it like this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse number 10 says, the fear. Everyone say fear. Now, this is an old King James word. It just simply means awe, reverence, respect, awesomeness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. People can know about God. People can study God. But when you walk in the fear of God, you acquire his wisdom, Amen. the wisdom of God, the ability to make right discernment, right judgments. And not only wisdom does not only teach you what not to do, it also teaches you what to do. You see, it is the wisdom of God. Your children don't have to make the same mistakes that you made. And as you raise your children, the first, uh, the, the first reality that you must understand is that as you walk out your life as a seeker after God, a seeker after God, you are modeling for your children. Your children won't become the person you want them to be. Your children become the person that you are. That's why we need grace. Everyone said amen. And so Jesus grew in wisdom. We have a responsibility to, to point our children, to walk in wisdom ourselves, to, but to point them towards a relationship with God. The book of James talks about godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. There are two kinds of wisdom. Uh, the earthly wisdom is about self. It's about me. 
It's about, it's about my getting and my understanding, my assessing a situation and a circumstance and say, how can this benefit me? The earthly wisdom is about my fulfillment, my success, my desires. It's earthly wisdom. And it's why relationships go sideways, because earthly wisdom leads to bitterness and unfulfillment, because we're living life for ourselves. If we teach our children today that the world is about them, they're going to live in earthly wisdom. They're going to think everything is about them. The little trophy is all about them. All of life is about them, and it is a much uh, the mantra, mantra of our culture today. The fact is, our life isn't about us. Our life is about him. Our life is about serving. Our life is about giving. Our life is about making a difference. The fear of the Lord will enable your child to discern between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. You see, when you walk in godly wisdom, you walk in peace. You're making a decision today in your life, in your business, in your education. You're making a decision about which direction your family should go. And you feel tension and turmoil. You feel tension and turmoil, and you feel you're not quite sure. You're agitated. You can't see your way clearly. I tell people, you must wait till you get the peace of God. The Bible says there's a peace of God that passes all understanding. And it only comes to those who are seeking wisdom. Because wisdom comes from God. Wisdom, every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father above. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all people without frustration. God's not frustrated with you today. Jesus walked in wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. And all you're getting, get the wisdom of God. Get the wisdom of God. And as Jesus gained earthly wisdom, the Bible says he also grew in knowledge. He, he also grew in, in, in knowledge of God. Jesus grew in wisdom and understanding, knowledge of God. He, he grew. He was fully God. He, he was God himself, but he still had the, a knowledge appropriate for his age and his relationship. Your children at their age have the knowledge that they need, but now your job is to help coach that relationship, to to build that wisdom in their life, the wisdom of God. And then the Bible says that Jesus grew in stature. The stature has to do with our physical bodies. Jesus grew and physically. uh, we, uh, We recognize today, I recognize as I get older, that this outward body, this outward man, this is perishing. The Bible says the outward man perishes. And I just look in the mirror and it gets real, real obvious to me. Yeah, as you get older, you, you see things break down. You see the chest drop down into the drawers. You see all those things take place in your life. You know, the hair goes down the drain and just life happens. The Bible says that, we, that although Jesus grew in stature, the righteous grow brighter and brighter until the coming day. The body that God has given your child is not even their body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says it like this. Our bodies, our bodies are the temples of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. That's why we, are, we have one body. It, it, it's amazing. I, I was watching a video clip the other day of a group called Led Zeppelin. And uh, when I was a kid, Ze- Led Zeppelin was like the rock and roll band of the, of the generation. And I was watching this video. And these guys, they were, you know, they're in their 20s and they're flying all over the world. And it was like a, it was one of these things, on, a, kind of a biography on these guys. And they were partying all over the world. And, and then they interviewed the lead singer, Robert Plant. He's almost 70 years of age now. He's a vegan, drinks green tea, exercises every single day. He's no longer running and doing all the crazy stuff because he recognizes that if he's going to keep going, he's got this body. 
He's not a Christ follower. He's not a believer. But our, our bodies are the temples of God, and we teach our children proper diet and how, ta- how to take care of themselves, and that food doesn't have to be the comfort for them, that God can be their comfort, and we help them. We, 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 we come alongside them to help them understand that they can honor God with their bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It does matter what we put into our bodies. It does. Uh, we know that physical exercise is, is important. It's not the only thing. We don't worship the narcissistic God of this culture that, that, that focuses on the beauty of the body. But we recognize the one who created the body for his glory. See, you have a purpose today. Your child has a purpose. And the moment you lose your health, you realize how important it is to take care of your body. Uh, the moment, that Sunday, two weeks ago, when I had this little thing going on in my heart and my blood pressure got elevated, I'd never experienced this before, I recognized in that moment, I'm frail. I'm frail. I'm one breath away. You're one breath away. We have a body to honor God with so that we can fulfill the mission and the purpose for which he created us. So Jesus not only grew in wisdom, he not only grew physically in stature. We help our children in this era. The Bible says that he also grew in favor. Favor with God. He grew spiritually. Jesus grew in favor with God. Favor. The word favor in the Greece and the Greek, the, the word favor is it literally means a, a bestowed benefit or blessing. A bestowed benefit or blessing. Favor and grace are synonymous. You it's synonymous, they're interchangeable. You can't have the favor of God without the grace of God. The goodness of God, the gift, the free gift of God. And you can't have the gift of God without the favor of God. It's the favor, the grace of God that leads us to a life of change. And Jesus grew in favor with God. He grew in favor. I love this word favor. I love this word favor. It's just, it's one of the most amazing realities. Because so many times we feel like such a worm and we feel so defeated. And you're God's child today. You're God's child today. He loves you today. We model that for our kids today. How we talk about ourselves. How we talk about our relationship with God. I'm in the shower this morning and this thought comes to me. You know, we sing this song. You know, we, we know that God is our best friend, right? We, we, we know how good God is to us. And we come into his presence and we do feel unworthy at times. We recognize his holiness and his beauty and his presence. And we know that God's our best friend. But I thought, you know... Am I God's best friend? Am I? My desire is to be God's best friend. How do you find favor? You walk in obedience to him. You say yes to him. Noah found favor. The Bible says Noah found favor, found the grace of God, the favor of God. He and his family were the only ones that survived. You know why? Because Noah walked with God. Noah obeyed God. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. One day of God's favor, hear me today, one day of God's favor, God's grace in your life is worth more than all the labor, all the energy, all the time, all the focus that you put in trying to change your life and make your world different. God, in one false swoop, that favor starts with salvation. That favor starts the moment you enter into relationship with God. Paul had a spiritual son by the name of Timothy. Timothy, his parents, his mother actually modeled it to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Bible says that Timothy, he says, look, I want, to, I want to remind you of your sincere faith. That faith that's so sincere. It lives in you. It lives in your heart. The moment Christ comes into your life, you have the favor of God. You're his child. And because you are his child, you can receive every gift, 
every benefit, every blessing. Your child must understand today. They must understand the favor of God. The moment they accept Christ, and that's our job as parents, is to lead them to that place. They don't, we don't pass on our salvation, but we do have the opportunity to share what God has done in relation to our, our salvation. We can't save our kids. God saves them. They, they must accept that reality of grace through faith on their own. But let me tell you today, let me tell you today, Matthew, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said it like this about us. He said, you're evil. You know you're bad. You know you make mistakes and you sin. You've got that propensity. You want to bless your kids. How much more does your Heavenly Father want to give good gifts? Caris, the same Greek word for caris, for gifts right there is the same word that the Bible uses for favor in the New Testament. Noah found favor. Abraham found favor. Moses found favor. Hannah found favor. Hannah was seeking after God, wanted a son. The Bible says because he saw her desire, she found favor. What do you desire today? Your kids, what do you desire? What do you want today? The favor of God. God wants to favor your kids. He, he loves to favor them. And we must understand this revelation that the favor of God, we acquire knowledge and wisdom, and that's good. But it's the favor of God that opens the door and allows us to walk into the destiny that God has for you and I today. The favor of God. The favor of God. Genesis chapter 26 says it like this. And the Lord appeared to Isaac the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of your father. Fear not, for I am with you. God is with us today. As we raise our kids, as we teach our kids, the favor of God is with them. God wants to bless. God wants to do good. It goes beyond material blessings. It's not just the, the stuff of life. It's the spiritual reality that he's your protector. God is your protector. He's your provider. He's already made a way. He's already got the career. He's already got the job. He's already got the spouse. He's already got all these things and your life lined up. He just wants you to seek him. He just wants you to seek him. Isaac, God says, I want to favor you. I want to multiply you. Multiply. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's the heart of the Father. Jesus found favor with the Father. You know why? Because he did everything the Father asked him to do. And that's how you find favor. You just set your heart. You set your heart and say, Jesus, I want to be your best friend today. Uh, you know, the moment you think about that, think about that in your life. You know when you say that to God, you're saying, you know, God, I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you. If you have a best friend, are you going to cheat on them? You're going to steal from them? You're going to say things about them. You're going to neglect them, walk away, forget about them. Come on, they're not your best friend then. If you say you love your spouse and they're your best friend and you, and you don't spend any time with them, you don't talk to them, you don't share your life, they're not your best friend. Are you God's best friend? Are you Jesus obeyed the Father and the favor of the Lord rested on him. And when God's favor rests on your life, you find favor not just God, but you also find favor with men. Jesus grew in favor teach our children today you know so many people miss this this point God wants you to walk in favor you know how you walk in favor you show respect to other people you honor other people the Bible says it like this in first Peter first Peter says it, honor everyone everyone say honor everyone honor everyone love the brotherhood 
I mean, the first understanding that you must have, we honor people. When we're walking in God's favor, walking in God's grace, and we're in right relationship with him, we have a responsibility. There's actually three categories of people that God said we're to honor. We're, we're to honor the governing authorities, the king, and those who are over us in the governmental realms. Uh, we're to honor our spiritual leaders, the pastors and the leaders of a local community. And then we're to honor, we're to honor our parents. The Bible says honoring your parents is the first commandment with promise. Teaching your kids to honor you is so important. And their understanding of showing honor and respect to other people. This is so powerful. Teaching our kids to honor and to respect. Do we honor our authority? How do we speak about the leaders in our life? How do we speak about the boss that we work for? How do we speak about the people that are in our community? I love what Peter says. Honor all people. Honor all people. You know what that means we walk in humility. God resists the proud, but not only does God resist the proud, men re- resist the proud. If you're a proud for person, God resists that, and so do people. No one likes a proud for people. So we honor people today. We honor all people. We thank God that He's put us in relationships so that we can show honor to one another. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I'm going to pray for every family that's here. Father, thank you today for the grace. God speaking. I know this is primarily to parents today. We've got a lot of parents in the room today. Got a lot of grandparents and people who have kids that have gone on. But I want you to know today, God's grace is sufficient. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. So what do we do with this? What do you do with this? What do I do with this message? How do we take something from here? Here's the ultimate goal. We want want our kids, we want our grandkids to know God. It's the fountainhead. The wisdom of God begins with having a relationship with Him, walking in fear and awe of Him. We want them to know that today. We want every person in our community. We want every person in our city. We We want every one of our children to know God. But we also want them to experience a life of freedom, to know what it is to live free. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's a freedom in Christ that grace brings, that forgiveness brings. That freedom comes when we're with other believers and we begin to walk out this journey in our families, in our homes, in our lives. We want our kids to live free from the encumbrances and the enslavements and the bondages and the addictions and the brokenness of this world. We want our kids to discover why they're on this planet as they're finding freedom in Christ God's created them God's made them we want them to discover and to know that purpose to know that purpose our our job as parents is to to begin to shape and to help to nurture those gifts that God has placed within them then ultimately the goal is Psalms 127 like an arrow like an arrow our kids are shot forth into their destiny and they're passing on their life, their influence, their significance to the next generation. Father, every person in this room, I pray your blessing. I pray your peace. Thank you today. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that we can raise champions for you in your name. In the wonderful and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Can you give God a great big hand clap?